Hello and welcome to the Bilderbard Workshop. My name is Stephen. And my name is Simon. We're not experts, but we're here to take you through building a character in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. We have a list of rules that we work from when building a character which are as follows. We'll be randomly rolling a race, class and subclass using D&D Beyond's randomizer feature and seeing what we come up with separately. The goal is not necessarily to build the most efficient character, but to build an interesting one. It has to be a level 5 character, with a minimum of 3 levels in the class we've been assigned. We use standard array stats so that anyone can replicate these builds, and the standard racial bonuses. Not because we agree with them, but because it's part of the challenge. We'll be using official D&D branded Wizards of the Coast books only, excluding books written for specific worlds like Rick and Morty, Critical Role, and Acquisitions Incorporated. Feats will be allowed instead of ASIs, as will optional class features from Tasha's. To reflect that they're level 5, characters will have their class and background starting equipment, 100 gold to spend on gear, and one uncommon or lower magic item. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. At some point, there'll be a logical start point Hi. to get going from. Um, I've got a logical starting <laughs> point. How did you find this build? Yeah. <laughs> right, I think there's some, some disclosure we need to make here. Yeah. The disclosure is that usually Simon and I do not talk about the build. Like It's like Bruno. Yeah. We don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Frodo licking my face off. The disclaimer is that Frodo and I... Frodo and I. Jesus. Simon and I... Going well. Yeah. Oh, wow. Simon and I do not discuss the build when we call each other. But I rang Simon. And it, you might not know this, Simon. I was in a bit of a tiz when I rang you. And I rang you to say... Um, are you fi- finding this build difficult as well? And Simon said, yes, this is a fuck of a build, and I'm not happy. Yeah, I did not get on with making this build. So, how many times did you change your build? When I did the initial run on it, I changed it, I think must have been four or five times. Yeah. We will go into options for multi-classing. Oh, we will. I suspect in the second half, but for now, there are a lot of options. What I would compare it to is when you go to a restaurant, you can't decide what to eat. And there's two reasons for that. The first reason is you look at the menu and you think, everything here is trash. I don't like it. And the other thing is, they've got five options here and all of them are my favorite. Mm. And I very rarely get to eat them and they're amazing. They're all, I love them all. We, I think, both had kind of choice paralysis on this because there is so, so much you can do with this build. Mm -hmm. And it really leads to that kind of choice paralysis of, oh, I could do this, but then that means I can't do this. And choice paralysis leads you to sort of looking at all of these options and going, oh, God, which one of these do I take? So for me, I don't know if this is the same for you, this feeling was exacerbated by the fact that we were using the PHB Dragonborn. Yeah. Because that's what it picked. And as per rules as written, that is a plus two to strength mm-hmm. and plus one to charisma. And I feel as though this has fucked us both up. I think the problem is, and I don't want to get too far ahead into like the, the multi-classing options, but I feel like that really teases you into saying, you could go Paladin. You could put some Paladin in there. Uh, well, it- um, let's... um. Let's do our stat distributions. Let's okay. get, the, get the, the real crunch out of get the way. Get the technical stuff out of the way, okay. Okay, yeah. What did you put your 15 in? 15 in charisma. Same. Because it's a sorcerer. What did you put your 14 in? Uh, 14 in dexterity. I put mine in strength. See, 
you've now got to go around to your house and shit through your letterbox. Box. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Because you didn't put it in constitution. No. Well, the thing is, is that I regularly shit through my letterbox. So I'm just making up for lost time, really. Yeah. It's fun. I do it all the time. <laughs> Where did you put your 13? 13 went in wisdom, which I will explain later. Mine is in con. Uh, you're 12? 12 in con. Uh, mine was in intelligence. 10. 10 in intelligence. And your eight. Eight in strength. Mine's in dex. Right. The reason I went for eight in strength is because you've got plus two in strength anyway, so that you don't get the minus one. Mm -hmm. Whereas you would have a minus one somewhere else in your build. Mm -hmm. I know that's not the best use of a natural plus two in a stat, but that's what I decided to go with. Skills. What, what are your skills? Before we go into skills, this is the way my brain works. It's just occurred to me, I will probably forget to explain why I put 13 in Wisdom. Okay, go for it. The reason I put 13 in Wisdom is because with Cesare, I got really screwed over by the fact that when I got my ASI slash feet, mm. I couldn't take Ritual Caster because I hadn't taken a 13 in Intelligence or Wisdom. And Ritual Caster is really useful for sorcerers. So why did you pick Wisdom over Intelligence? Because there are more spells that force you to take a wisdom save. Fair enough. Let's talk skills. I took Arcana, Intimidation, Investigation, and Persuasion. That's it. My Arcana's only plus three. I've got Deception plus four. Uh, History plus three. Intimidation plus four. Performance plus four. Persuasion plus seven. Religion plus three. Everything else is ones and twos. Uh, zero in Investigation. Uh, nature, which is probably not good, but that's the skills. Okay. So, my character is Gurneray. Let me just read it. Is this the one it rolled last week? Oh, yeah. Week? Right, then I'm let off the hook because I had a crack at pronouncing it last week. And you did well. Gurneray with with their old Dolphiax. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, we'll go with that. I'm going to be honest with you, Simon. I have broken all the rules. Good. And by that, I mean technically, which is the best form of correct, <laughs> it doesn't actually say in our rules that you have to take your first three levels as the class indicated. Mm. So I picked two levels of Paladin first. That really feels like it's pushing the rules, but okay. It is pushing the rules, but I tried this. This was like run through five that I tried it, and then I, I must have done like 12 iterations of this character at least. Yeah. So I've been pulling my hair out over it because I've taken two levels of Paladin first and then three levels of sorcerer and there's a reason for this because i couldn't get it to work three then two so when you take paladin later on you don't get heavy armor proficiency you get light and medium armor proficiency which means that you need to then invest in your dexterity score which means you could take a rapier to do smites with mm. but then we've still got a plus two in strength that's not doing anything this is the only way i could make this work so it's two levels of paladin and then three levels of aberrant mind sorcerer i appreciate that this is really really stretching the rules i think with how annoying this one has been to put together i completely understand stretching the rules but the whole point of this is to continue with Sorcerer. The point is to take more levels of Sorcerer than Paladin. You take two levels, Paladin, mm -hmm. and that gives you your fighting style. I took Defense. It also allows you to pick up heavy armor proficiencies. It also allows you to pick up martial weapon proficiencies and some spellcasting. And Divine Smites. 
In a way, I'm glad that you did that because I feel like otherwise it would have been the two of us comparing essentially the same sorcerer. Yeah, and there is a build where if you're using Tasha's rules and you can move the stats around, there is a build, the completely adequate build to take three levels of sorcerer, one level of paladin, and your fourth level of sorcerer is, uh, no, medium armor master, I think it is, which allows you, if you have medium armor proficiencies, you can now have heavy armor proficiencies. Yeah. That just seemed like a really long-winded way of going about it. Uh, at one point, this was going to be warlock, and we'll get into like those different things later on. The point is, you take a glaive, eventually you take polearm master, so that you get an attack and a bonus attack. Is this a fifth level Levels. No, this, this will not happen by levels. fifth level. This is later right. levels. Okay, so what are you getting to by fifth? What are you aiming for by fifth level? What you're aiming for by fifth level mm-hmm. is you do have meta magic, and you can quicken or twin green flame blade. Now, I think you can twin green flame blade. So green green flame blade. To explain, you make a melee attack with your weapon. On a hit, the target suffers the weapon weapon attack's normal effects, and you cause green fire to leap from the target to a different creature of your choice that you can see within five feet of it. The second creature takes fire damage equal to your spellcasting ability modifier. So with a glaive, I hit someone, I can pump a smite into it if I want, and I also did a check. At level five, with this build, I have more spell slots for smiting than your partner's character does as a full paladin at level six. That is a problem with paladins, with Kara's paladin. She's only got a couple of second level spell slots and she usually tries to keep one in reserve in case anyone needs gentle repose. And she almost always uses one for eight as well, which is a second level spell. Yeah. So she's not getting the benefit of her second level smites. Or if she is, she's saving it. You know, it's a it's a thing. Yeah, part of the problem is she's, as well as the primary tank, she's the primary healer. And she's also the primary damage dealer. Yeah. This is why this is all difficult. So... You use Green Flame Blade, or you can attack and then use Green Flame Blade Quickened. I think I took Quickened and not Twinned. Yeah, I took Quickened. I was going to say, Quickened spell is so useful as a metamagic feat. What it does is it takes a spell that costs an action and it moves it to the bonus action slot. So that then means it has a huge effect on action economy as a sorcerer. This was something that I played with a lot as Cesare. You can quicken the spell to the bonus action slot and then you can use your action slot to cast a cantrip. Or vice versa. There is an exception to that rule. If you multi-class fighter and have action oh, surge, yeah. so it's when it's when you are casting a bonus action spell, the other spell must be a cantrip. So if you cast a cantrip, you can then bonus action cast a spell or you can cast yeah. a spell and bonus action a cantrip. Whereas with Fighter, that specifically says it gives you another action to cast a spell, which is why I think we've made reference to it before. You can have a wizard who takes two levels of Fighter, and as well as having armor proficiencies and a fighting style that they can use for a bit of extra defense, they have Action Surge, which means they can cast two Fireballs a turn. Yeah. And we just want to point out that we talk about two fireballs a turn or whatnot. We're not actually in love with the fireball spell. More often than not, it's a, it's it, a, 
Yeah, milestone, more, isn't it? It's a more often, milestone. yeah. I th- there's a lot of players who will do that. Who will just look at this is the most damage I can do in a turn. Which fair enough if that's the character you're mm-hmm. playing. But you can also you can cast haste on someone. You can cast slow on a bunch of enemies. You, you know you can cast one spell that has a huge effect on the battlefield that in its own right would be its own round in terms of balance and what it should be able to do. And then on top of that, you can cast another spell. Mm-hmm. So there's that effect that it has on the action economy can be huge. But Quicken Spell, I think that was probably the meta magic that I used most uh, when I played a sorcerer. Yeah, so I the play is you green flame blade and then bonus action green flame blade at level yeah. five. You can smite with green flame blade on top of that. You can then, if you use the additional paladin features you can get spell slots back mm-hmm. which you can then turn into sorcery points to give yourself bigger spell slots right this is a power build you also get the option for support spells so one of the ones i've got here is divine favor which adds an extra 1d4 radiant damage on a hit that's an option bless is an option you get detect thoughts as one of your psionic spells and then i took some more cheese because i thought we haven't got enough cheese let me find some more cheese yeah so dragon's breath this is a dragonborn it makes sense for them to have dragon's breath as a spell you twin it you put it on two other people now you have a breath weapon and so do two other people fair enough i also took shadow blade i don't think if i was actually playing this character i'd use shadow blade but i thought i'd talk about it it's 2d8 psychic damage on a hit has the finesse light and throne properties in addition when you use the sword to attack a target that is in dim light or darkness you make the attack roll with advantage so that's 2d8 and it counts as a simple melee weapon with which you're proficient so you can smite through it so one of the things that i forget is that a sorcerer does have the potential to be a utility caster you can give them spells like fly i mean this is a paladin with an ac of 19 that can cast shield so this this is like a survivable character there's other things that um you can do you can lay down arms of hadar which is tendrils of dark energy erupt from you and batter all creatures within 10 feet of you each creature must make a strength saving throw on a failed save they take 2d6 necrotic damage and can't take reactions until its next turn and then you know you attack with green flame blade and then quicken that yeah so how did you make use of because you said obviously like the dragonborn background yeah. you've got dragon's breath you give other people breath weapons yeah that makes sense how did you make use of the aberrant mind aspect okay. because that was one of the things that i felt really tripped me up when i was making the build so in terms of the utility casting i took one damaging cantrip i took green flame blade because you get Mind Sliver for free. So I took Mage Hand Mending Prestidigitation. I am up on utility cantrips. The Psionic Spells, Dissonant Whispers, Arms of Hadar, you get Calm Emotions, Detect Thoughts, those are all part of it. One of the things I realised is that you get telepathy. So the idea of this character is they're armoured up, they've got decent-ish hit points, I've got 33 hit points. For a 5th level character, especially one that's casting spells... So this character is in the thick of it, is tanking all the hits. It is not dealing the most damage. It is dealing consistent damage, right? So usually I like to build things for... I like one big hit. Yeah. And when I do one big hit, that's it. You are effed in the A. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, en- the enemy goes down. That's Eren's play. And I wanted this build to be more consistent damage. So it's about having a decently high 
saying a pretty high armor class, etc. The only thing I can't do is stealth. But I don't need to, because if we've got a stealthy character like a monk or a ranger or a rogue, or even a sneaky fighter if you're going for that, they can go off and I can talk to them. The whole party no longer needs to be involved in stealth. The stealthy character stealths. I read out what the stealthy character is saying. We're all stood there in full play going, oh look, he's doing this. He's doing this. We've now eliminated the problem of what if I don't take stealth? Yeah, that's always an issue when you take a heavily armoured character is how how do you deal... Do you try and find a Cloak of Elven kind? Cloak of Elven kind. Do you try and futz about with getting a chain shirt or something? You know, or what do you do? Yeah, it's a real... Um, it's a real one. Again, for people who aren't familiar with that armour issue, one of the issues with choosing what type of armour you take is it's not just a case of take the one that gives you the best armour class yeah. because... With the lighter and lower medium armors, they give you a bonus to your armor class based on dexterity. Up to a certain point, they don't give you disadvantage on stealth checks, but then once I think you it's hit... it's pretty much half yeah, plate. Once you hit about the midpoint of medium armor, you start to get disadvantage on stealth checks. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things like, obviously the best choice for someone who's heavily armoured is going to be plate armour, mm-hmm. but that costs and so... It, and it you also have to has a strength requirement. Yeah. But this is what a lot of people forget. It has a strength requirement. And I know it's kind of cheeky, but this is why I went Paladin first. I'm going to bring it back to uh, background and fluff. So, the background is, they were originally a Paladin of Bahamut. Then they were captured by a Mind Flayer mm-hmm. and became its thrall. And this is when they were given the magic item, which I will talk about in a minute. And when they were broken free of their curse, they had aberrant mind powers. The latent psychic energies of having been connected to a mind flayer is what has brought about these aberrant powers. So that's what this character is. And they're trying to ignore how much of a sorcerer they've become. There's a background thing like, oh, I don't want to admit that I've got all this extra power. Their role is to be up front in combat, soaking up all the not damage that's not going to hit them with such a high AC and shield. They're then going to be relaying orders and things to other people. Yeah. So in, a, in the party composition, they're up front. If there's a rogue, the ranger, monk, kind of a skirmisher that can go around the outside, I need you to do this. And of course the enemy is not hearing what you're saying, you know, even if they understand the language. The other thing I wanted to um, bring into this is the idea of they are the party face. So all of that psionic stuff that allows them to detect thoughts and things like that, they read people's thoughts, they give it back. The only problem with this is that this reeks of main character syndrome. In what way? You're going to be the party (laughs) face... And you're going to be the party tank. And you're going to be the one giving the orders with with this idea. And if you really want, this is really cheeky, you can take one level of Hexblade Warlock so that everything comes off your charisma stat. Boost charisma all the way. You are fighting with charisma, spellcasting with charisma, engaging with everyone else's charisma. Right, it becomes, I'm the main character and this is everyone else who I play with. And that's not a nice way to play D&D. I feel as though I'm sometimes guilty of this myself. I think when you're good at building characters, there's always a risk that you'll look at it like that. So this is a utility caster and a tank and the party face and can uphold their part in the infiltration. Let me just check. I'm pretty sure the features and traits, like the um, telepathic speech, 
as long as you're within three miles of each other, you can talk. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, so yeah. Three, three miles is big. Three miles is big. I mean, you have this too, even though you've gone straight sorcerer. But the idea is not for them to be a blaster caster. They are a utility caster in full plate mail on the front line. They are three rolls at once. Tank, utility, face. And there are certain things that have become, become programmed into us as players of D&D since the drop of 5th edition. One of those is, oh, Ranger takes Hunter's Mark, right? You don't have to take Hunter's Mark as a Ranger. There are other spells that you can concentrate on, and if you look, you can do that. A Sorcerer has the capability of being a fantastic utility caster. The Mm. other thing this Sorcerer has is that you get loads of spells for free. The Aberrant Mind gets two spells at level 1, level 3, level 5, level 7, and level 9, do you mean known spells? Or known spells. spells. Known spells. Known spells. You get okay. more known spells as an aberrant mind or clockwork soul sorcerer than you do as any other sorcerer, right? So I, the spells it gives me that are damage dealing or whatever, I keep. And everything else, I just take haste, I take fly, I take polymorph, things like that. So that if you look at most paladins, they would not get haste until much, much later on. You only need to be ninth level, if I got that right, yeah, ninth level in this build, so seven levels of Sorcerer, two levels of Paladin, to have haste. That was one thing that I found when I was building mine, was the list of spells, because you get those those extra known spells Mm -hmm. as an Aberrant Mind Sorcerer, it's one of those things where it says, oh, you can replace them with, uh, is it Divination Divination and Enchantment spells from Mm -hmm. the Sorcerer, Warlock and Wizard spell list. Which sounds great, but the problem is, until you have to actually go through a list of spells. As it happens, I have to give a a shout-out to 5e.tools slash spells.html, which lets you literally click on, I want to see the divination and enchantment spells, (laughs) and I want them to be from the sorcerer, warlock, and, and wizard list. So that gave me the full list of all of the spells that I could look at, that I was able to actually go through and think, okay, I can replace this with this. You know, I was only able to do that because I was sat at a, com- you know, sat at a computer with several tabs open. I know it's a nice limitation, but D&D Beyond doesn't filter it for you automatically. And I, kind of, feel, I kind of feel like it should. Offering that limitation is a nice idea, but in practice, it does make it awkward for people I think it's also going to be interesting now that D&D has acquired D&D Beyond. One of the updates they put out recently was that they are going to give you more... I might be butchering this, but basically you, there is a, an update to how it works so that we can edit things more easily. Yeah, I'll go with easily. I think one of the updates they've wanted to do is to fix some of the things in the homebrew system. Yeah. Because the homebrew system is, unless you're used to how it works and you can think your way around it, it's quite fiddly and impenetrable. Yeah, yeah. It's I, pretty, tried, yeah. I tried making a homebrew background and I couldn't add all of the bonuses that I wanted because the options just weren't there. You have to kind and there of... Was, there was a bunch of other options that I, I can't think anybody... Would, there were a load of other options that I thought you wouldn't really need that outside of like weird edge cases, but there were basic options that were really missing from it. Yeah, yeah. You can make warlock pacts as in who you make a pact with, but you can't make yeah. warlock pact boons. Like. To bring it back to where we were, I, I, we've said numerous times there are limitations to building it on D&D Beyond, and I realise that every time I say that I'm kind of... I'm saying that because I tend to build on D&D Beyond 
and I know a lot of people are pen and paper players. I am not saying D&D Beyond is better. It's just the one that I use. And because of that, I do notice some of the limitations well, of the system. Well, let's add some context to that. Firstly, we make one of these a week. Secondly, when we make one of these, I work full-time. You edit in between making the show. You uh, cook and clean and everything for your wife. Like a good beta male. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's bullshit. That only happens in cap- Wolves in Captivity. That's uh, not a thing. I know. It's, it's not absolutely a not a thing. That's not a thing. And um, I know that you know it's not a thing. No, no, no. And I was going to make a joke about me being an alpha male. It's just yeah. laughable at best. Yeah. Frodo is the alpha male. Yes, he is, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, technically, he's in captivity, I suppose. Body. But that said, we've both got other stuff going on in our lives. Yeah. And the idea of me sitting down with a pencil and paper and going through how to build this every Mm. week is a joke. I'm not doing it. I mean, yes, but there was uh, someone I I follow on Twitter who just as a therapeutic exercise because they find the process of going through with a pen and paper and rolling Mm. everything and working everything out, it's actually like a therapeutic thing that they do to relax sometimes. And they, they were talking about first edition pathfinder so you know 3.5 plus so i think they were talking about first edition pathfinder characters but i can i can see i can see how sitting and working it all out with a pen and paper would be quite kind of zen yeah 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 Yeah. absolutely but how many bills did you go through simon oh this this would have how many pieces of paper would that be this would have killed me if i'd worked it out on Mm. pen and paper yeah like we're just adding the context there yeah that we're not saying it's the best it is simply good oh, no, 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 for, no, no. for our needs it, in this moment. It's good for our purposes. Yeah. And also it means randomising a character is much easier. Yeah. That said, shall I talk about my background and then we can talk about your character afterwards? Yeah, we can do that. I chose the Haunted One background, which is originally from Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. So the background is that for the first two levels, they're just someone who's a paladin and then they're captured by Mind Flayers. They're then haunted by the experiences they had as a thrall of the Mind Flayers. That makes sense, because as a player who's encountered Mind Flayers, I feel feel like anybody looking at me would just be like, Jesus, what have you seen? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's my character. I I didn't actually want my character to be the first half of the show but I mean it, it's not just your character we've gone into other things yeah, yeah. I th- we're not running on a, a sort of strict running order but no, if no, you no. look at the board I mean what what have we covered we've covered pretty much everything on there except magic item and equipment haven't we yeah well, I don't really think we've talked about your character enough no well I'll do mine in the second half okay. what's your equipment and magic item equipment there are so many ways you can take this mm. so I took all of them um, you can take a pole arm such as a glaive or halberd so that at level 6, your next level, you take Polearm Master as a feat, so you get that bonus action attack, which you can also smite with, yeah. and also has reach. So that's that. You can also go Sword and Board, if you really want. I picked a Morning Star and a Shield, I bought a Shield. Or you can buy the Glaive, whichever. And for my magic item, I took the Mind Carapace Armour, which is specifically for Mind Flayers or their Thralls. Uh, really makes sense, yeah. So they're a thrall. They were given this piece of plate armour, which gives you, which is bloody cheeky, to its intended wearer, the armour grants advantage on intelligence, wisdom and charisma saving throws and makes its wearer immune to the frightened condition. Wow. So spell damage, I'm not taking it. Physical damage, I'm not taking it. I am the tank. This is such a specific build, and usually I try. I feel as though on this show we try to be a bit more general, and we're like going, "Oh well, here's an option that you can sort of take a rough direction in." This was such a fuck of a build 
This was such a fuck. This is not like a starting point you could use to do something else. It has to have that backstory for it to make sense. Yeah. The magic item to make sense. I joked on the last podcast that, oh, I've actually done the work for once. I have not been able to relax properly thinking about this build because it's so difficult to get right. And it was only yesterday that everything just folded into place. And and even this morning, I changed it to the Mind Carapace armour. I mean, God, th- this is like way back in school, an art teacher mm. saying to me that sometimes art is not about knowing what to do, it's about knowing when to stop. Because you can pick too much at something mm-hmm. and destroy it, or yep. just fiddle with it and end up driving yourself insane. At a certain point, you have to go, I am done with this. Yeah, I originally thought I was there. But mm. we'll talk about that in multi-classing. Should we take a break? And I think then we should we'll, take, um, a, take yeah. a break and we'll come back in the second half. How come it's the break and Frodo's pissed off? I don't know. What, come? Uh. Fantastic. Yeah. So, let's, uh, let's go through your character then. Tell me about your character and their name. Okay, so, Galathrax the Beneficent. Oh, one thing we didn't do in the first half, you went with silver, yes. dragonborn background, didn't you? I went with green, and that does inform a couple of the choices, but mine is probably more of what you would consider a typical sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was saying to Stephen in the break that at the end of last week I got really excited about making a dragonborn sorcerer because I thought, ooh, we don't have to worry about mage armour. Not remembering that that's a dragon origin sorcerers not dragonborn sorcerers dragonborn don't get any innate armor class unless you take a particular feat it's dragon toughness or something it's it, oh yeah there is yeah, yeah, there, yeah there's there's a feat that gives you pretty much mage armor it's like base armor class 13 plus your dex bonus or something it's uh yeah it's called the dragon hide feat and wow you get quite a lot actually strength constitutional charisma increased by one Scales harden when while you aren't wearing armor. You can calc- you can calculate your AC as thirteen plus your Dex mod. You can use a shield and still gain this benefit. That's really interesting to know. And you grow retractable claws, allowing you to use them as a natural weapon. So I did look at that as one option, but then I decided I felt like I would have had to get too fiddly to make this build work in melee. So I decided to go just for your classic ranged caster with this. The last couple of weeks when we've talked about the ability score increase slash feat, I've mistakenly said, oh, I took the ASI, and what I actually meant was I took the feat. I did actually take the ability score increase. I took the plus two in charisma, so I've got a charisma of 18 on this character. Dex of 14, and as I said, the wisdom of 13, because I feel like if you were playing this character at a tabletop from level one, taking the ritual caster feat when you get to level four you're probably getting a couple of hundred gold in terms of quest rewards by that point so you could actually afford to then go to a library or a scroll dealer and buy ritual spells to fill up your ritual book in which case i would definitely recommend taking wizard because they've got one of the widest selections of ritual spells. You can take Cleric, which can give you a couple of extra backup things, but 
honestly, if you want to play a sorcerer with cleric aspect, you're probably better off playing like a divine soul. Mm. Yeah, it's it's arguable. Debatable. It's it's arguable, but uh, but I would say using the ritual caster to give a sorcerer extra spells and going for the cleric spell list is probably not the best use of it. No, no. no. The reason I went made a weird noise is because the clockwork soul has the same problem as no, actually has a worse problem than every other sorcerer. <laughs> Which is? Which is all sorcerers, other than the aberrant mind and clockwork soul. Do not get extended expanded spell lists. You just get the cleric spell list. The divine soul sorcerer just gets access to the cleric spell list. It does not get spells added at first, third, fifth, seventh, and ninth level, which causes you a problem. Because I've I found as when I was playing wild sorcerer as Cesare, I found that the spells known list was really small again that's been a problem with this character there's so many spells that it feels like you need to have that cause that problem so having the expand the expanded spell list that you can swap out is quite useful to the build the list of psionic spells what i thought with this Ah. and this is a bit of a stupid thing to go for and i sacrificed a lot to go for this but i I felt like it was an, an interesting use at least mm-hmm. of the aberrant mind origin yeah when i hit level when this character hits level five you replace hunger of hadar with tongues because when you cast tongues you can speak any language which means with the aberrant mind thing of being able to telepathically communicate mm-hmm. you can telepathically communicate with anyone that has a language so is tongues up uh, tongues does fit the criteria that's really weird. I thought it was going to be enchantment or something. No, no, I, I did specifically look it up because I knew there's you have to replace one of the psionic spells with divination or, encha- or enchantment. Oh, is it enchantment? Uh, sorry, I'll, let me just check. Divination and enchantment oh, right. from the sorcerer, warlock and wizard spells. For some reason I had it in my head as divination illusion. I yeah. didn't, just a quick thing, I did not futz with that at all. The build had pissed me off by that point. The so only I- reason <laughs> The only reason that I looked at replacing these was because... It was the easiest way to fit certain things mm-hmm. in. So I've got what I've had to do on D and D Beyond is just put a list on the notes mm-hmm. of which spells I switched out. It fits with the magic item that I chose because I chose the Bloodwell Vial. It's plus a very, one. it's very cool. Actually. It's a very good one for sorcerers because. Um, you can use the vial as a spell casting focus for your spells while wearing or holding it so wearing it means you don't need a hand free to Mm -hmm. hold the the focus and you gain a plus one bonus to spell attack rolls and to the saving throw dcs of your sorcerer spells which is good Mm. but the use that i went for is when you roll any hit dice to recover hit points while you are carrying the vial you can regain five sorcery points so if you take a short rest you get a bunch of your sorcery points back. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that that means before you take a short rest, burn any spell points (laughs) that you have on getting spell slots back. So you can kind of, you're approaching kind of a coffee lock thing with that. But it means you can get your sorcery points back on a short rest. Just to cut across that, we shouldn't call that coffee lock. Should we not? We should be calling it Sawlock, okay. which is the Sorcerer Warlock multiclass, because Coffee Lock specifically refers to being a Sorcerer Warlock multiclass and using the Pact of the Tome and one specific feature of Pact of the Tome that yeah. allows you not to sleep. 
So are... that's the specific shenanigan. So yeah. it's the Sorlock shenanigans, we should say. You are right, but I think colloquially a lot of people... The main bullshit feature is getting, <laughs> you know, getting a bunch of spells and a bunch of stuff back on a short rest when you really shouldn't. So I think... Done um, that many yeah. times as Aaron. But anyway, so the Bloodwell Vial does help a bit with that. I took Quicken Spell and Twin Spell just because I can see them being useful. Yeah, they're the best two. I chose Subtle Spell. Subtle Spell is good if you can get a suggestion. Because I know we've come across this on our home games. I've seen it on Critical Role. I've seen Dimension 20 fall prey to it. Is People walk up to somebody and while standing in front of them, in full sight of them, going, I'm going to cast spells that have like a verbal and somatic component, which means you are making weird gestures with your hands and saying weird incantations. I sort of feel like you shouldn't really be able to get away with it. Like in a setting where magic is commonly known, you shouldn't be able to, to just walk up to someone and go, weird hands motions and then there's like a poof and then they're like oh yeah that, that's yeah. great yeah, yeah. you know I, I feel like you shouldn't really be able to get away with that so subtle spell feels to me like it's something that should be a bigger thing well you get dissonant whispers with this now you could subtle spell dissonant whispers talk me through that okay so you whisper a discordant melody that only one creature of your choice within range can hear racking it with terrible pain ah uh, so like tiktok yeah, on a fail save, it takes 3d6 psychic damage and must immediately use his reaction, if available, to move as far as its speed allows away from you. Uh, there's another one, Phantasmal Force, that you could do this with. So basically, for some reason, this creature suddenly now fears you, and it doesn't know why. It's mm. not because... And no one has seen you cast a spell. So say you've got your big, strong enemy, you dissonant whispers, it runs, and all the other enemies go, why are you running, boss? Mm. And suddenly, you know, I would kind of think, well, they would take after their boss. If I, you know, if I was DMing this, like, yeah. they take off after their boss. Phantasmal forces um, doesn't have to do damage, but you can convince them that something is happening to them. Yeah. And if they're looking at you, suddenly they don't know it's you, they just think everything's changed. Mm. And other people haven't seen you do it. So let's talk about friends. Mm-hmm. and charm person etc even if we accept that someone's wandering up doing doing a, a Doctor Strange or a Wanda with mm. their hands and sounding like uh, any of the lyrics from Macarena that's partly what the save is for however if there's three people there and you charm one and the other two, two see three, you cast d- your spell yeah. yeah that's where it fails and it should be that way Yeah, we and are- even if that other person is charmed and go why are you beating up my friend it should be that way that that alerts other people well, we had that situation with the two guards that were outside the door, and I tried twin spelling uh, yeah, suggestion. Yeah. It worked on one of them. It didn't work on the other one. And so the one that it had worked on, I used Cesare's charming skills to just be like, oh, he's always been like this to you, hasn't he? He's always been... Actually, no, I think it was, I think it was charm person. Yeah, he was charm So person. I was then trying to convince the other person, going like, oh, yeah, typical Gary. He's always playing you down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's always trying to... And this, this guy's like... Yeah, you don't try and they, you know get one they of the end guards up having to, a punch up. Yeah, yeah. ended up get, getting the two guards to have a punch up while the th- the other member of our party snuck inside the office. So yeah, before I go through the other spells, I just want to notice that note that with the bloodwell vial and eighteen intelligence, uh, plus eight to hit with spells and sixteen save DC. I have never in a game yeah. had a spell save DC that high. That's pretty pretty chunky as it's, well. That's pretty evil. So uh, cantrips are firebolt, frostbite, light because again don't have dark vision, uh, mind sliver. 
poison spray because they're a green dragon. Now the, the problem with this is poison spray is 2d12 damage. Their breath weapon is only 2d6. It only has a range of 10 foot, but because the character is level five, they get, get the, more, the, yeah, the, bonus the bonus to their cantrips. Yeah. So yeah, that means that they've they've got their own sort of mini poison spray, which which fits for you know I I would I would flavor that fluff wise as it's a green dragon that just spits poison at them. Obviously they've still got their breath weapon, but it's just weird that the breath weapon does less damage. Although at least it's got the cone. Well, that's why it. I'm looking up the chromatic dragonborn from Fizzbands. Hmm. So I I think we've said this, but this is the PHB Dragonborn. Yes, and that has been the biggest kick in the tits for this whole build. Yes, is the fact that we we can't move ability scores around. Otherwise, that too would have gone in Constitution or into Charisma or whatever. Well, the main thing that you spotted is that one of the Gem Dragons has psychic psychic damage, which would make more sense with an aberrant mind origin. Yeah, and they hunt them. It's, you can lean into it. It's one of those things where if you weren't working with the restrictions that we're working with, it would, like a good rug, it would really tie the build together. I had to think about that for a moment. Yeah. So, uh, the breath weapon, uh, when you take the attack action on your turn, you can replace one of your attacks with an exhalation of magical energy in a 30-foot line that is five feet wide. This is the chromatic dragon one from Fizzbands. Yeah. Dexterity saving throw, and at level five, it would be 2d10. And what's what, what does poison spray do? Poison spray is 2d12, but it's 10 foot, and let me just check. Yeah, you extend your hand towards a creature you can see within range. Again, I would flavor that as just spitting. Yeah, yeah. In project a puff of noxious gas from your palm, the creature must succeed on a constitution saving throw or take 1d12, well, 2d12 when you reach fifth level of poison damage. But again, that's because of this character. It's uh, Constitution sixteen. That's so. pretty. If you're fight, if you're facing a boss, that's going to do the thick yeah. end of fuck all. But if you're facing mm. gremlins, that's yeah. going to be pretty nasty. Because a lot of these are ranged or fiddly spells. Like I chose Frostbite because mm -hmm. on a failed save, the target has disadvantage on the next weapon attack roll it makes. So you can sit at the back and you can just like you know you're not doing as much damage. But again, if you're using Quicken Spell to just pop off a quick Frostbite at someone, mm -hmm. that gives them disadvantage on their next attack, which has a big effect on the melee characters that you're with. Because if you're playing this character, you need other melee characters to be with. This, this is not a character who can survive in combat on their own. Level 1 spells, Absorb Elements, Dissonant Whispers, False Life, just to get yourself out of trouble, and Shield. Yeah. I did replace one of the level one. So at level two, replace Arms of Hadar, or Hadar, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, uh, with Comprehend Languages. Mm. Because then when you cast Detect Thoughts at second level, you can understand anyone's thoughts. Is Comprehend Languages... This is something that I looked up. Comprehend Languages is you can only understand. You can't speak it. But to is properly... it also the concentration? Um, it is not. Okay, it's no, not, it's not. It's not, not concentration, not. but it is an hour. That yeah. is a useful one to be able to understand other people's speech. It kind of works in the full description of the psionic speech. You have to be able to speak the same language as the other person correct. to yeah. communicate with them. It's not full telepathy. Yeah, so that that is a limitation that I spotted on comprehend languages is you can only understand the languages. 
I want to talk about something, which is the Mind Sliver cantrip that you get for free. Yes, it's a good one. I yeah. like it. It's great, because you can use that as your action, and then you can quicken something that uses a, uses a save, and yeah. they subtract a d4 from it. So on this build, that means their save DC is they're going to have to roll higher than a 16, and they're going to have to take a d4 off that if I've Mind Slivered them. And it's an intelligent saving throw as well for Mind Sliver, which is really, really, really good. There are so few spells that use intelligent saving throws, but there are so few things that are proficient in intelligent saving throws. That might not be accurately true, but yeah. the, the, the likelihood you're going to face something that's got a high intelligence score is pretty low. So, Unless it's Mind Flayers, then you fuck. So second level, obviously detect thoughts... Mirror image because you know we went into that last week. It's just a, mm. a good survivability yeah, 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 spell. Yeah. Misty step again for survivability. At level three, replace calm emotions with suggestion. Ah, because again, similar trick. D Sixteen save DC. If you've quickened a mind sliver into a bonus action, they've got a little bit more off of the save on that. And then suggestion. One of the things that I recently managed to do as a sorcerer was to devils attacking us coming towards In, uh, us incubus and succubus yeah an incubus and a succubus and i just turned around to the incubus and just went why don't you just go home and just convinced it to move as far as it could possibly move away from us so my concentration dropped at a certain point during that fight but by that point we were on a moving car so it had to spend ages trying to, to catch, catch it, up it barely caught up with us by the time we reached our destination third level i took fireball because of course sending is with the psionic spell that you get and i believe i yeah i replaced hunger of hadar with tongues so tongues is mostly a utility thing in a way the reason that i went for five levels of sorcerer was because i figured having a character who can communicate with anyone regardless of language is yeah it's pretty really useful pretty useful um, so so yours is the party face kind of role I think so, yeah, and more and of Blastercaster. more of a typical sorcerer. Not really Blastercaster, because to be honest, I don't have that many damage spells. Like Arms of Hadar, the problem with that is you have to be surrounded to use it, and you don't want to be in that situation. Yeah, anyway. it would be a good it would be a good one for your build because if you're surrounded by it, you just go blah yeah. tentacles everywhere. Swordburst is also a really good cantrip. Equipment and magic items, I have to be honest, the equipment is pretty much just the normal stuff that I got from my background, which is, uh, I think it's Cloistered Scholar. Yeah, Cloistered Scholar. Do you want to compare the personality traits? Mm. So if you go to your personality traits, I've got, there's nothing I like more than a good mystery, and I'm horribly, horribly awkward in social situations. Yeah, but what did your character get? <laughs> <laughs> That's mean. No, it's not mean. It's it's, it's absolutely true. So, because I chose the haunted one background. Personality traits. I don't talk about the thing that torments me. I'd rather not burden others with my curse. So that's that's the first one. Mm -hmm. And the second is, I put no trust in divine beings. Ooh. So the idea is, is that if you're taking the they were a paladin and are no longer a paladin, you could go for Oathbreaker at later levels or, or something like that. So that they're, they, mm. they were a believer of Bahamut and yet they got taken by Mind Flayers. It's good because it, it does tie the build together in that you've given them a reason to be like, well, this horrible thing happened, happened to, to me, me, and so I no longer... Just going back to... You know, we were discussing in the break that I have basically cheated. I think it's allowable because of how you've tied it back together. We're talking about our rules for the podcast here. 
that yeah. we we wouldn't ordinarily allow someone to take something first and then take some then take the actual thing later. But if you were building this for home, this is what you would do. Or you sorry, no no this is what you could do. This is something you could do and you might want to do it. And there's nothing wrong with doing that in a home build. It's just in terms of our rules it's bloody cheeky. Again, I think I would allow it just because of how you've brought it back together. I felt I had to, though. I had to, because it was so... I cannot impress upon the audience how much it was such a shit to do this build. Yeah. Because what we're marrying, or what what we attempt to marry is the class and the race. And this was the only way I could think to do it. And the, and then I had to like really force myself to actively meld those two concepts together. I feel like when I went through this, the Occam's razor that I had to use to cut off my thought process on this was very similar to what we were saying about the Kenku last week. Was you, There were a couple of times last week you said the Kenku is a wizard first and you have to remember that. Yes. That was the thing that, that cut a lot of the options down for me was thinking this is a sorcerer first. But again, I can see because it's a dragonborn and dragonborn, PHB dragonborn are naturally stronger. I can see where you would think this is a dragonborn who initially was pushed to be a paladin because of their natural strength. And then after this horrible thing happened, went, nah, screw that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's plenty of room for you taking the Oathbreaker Paladin if you want to keep going with Paladin at later levels and stuff like that. We'll talk about future of the build later. Ideals for Galathrax. Ideals. Self-improvement. The goal of a life of study is the betterment of oneself. I think the reason I chose this is because I took the ability score improvement. I bumped my charisma up because I couldn't think of anything else to do with a feat. I feel like this character, what they're missing is the ritual caster feat. I didn't take it because if you're going straight to level 5 with 100 GP to spend, that means you get two level 1 spells. You can't use the most useful two level 1 spells Mm -hmm. because Identify requires a pearl worth 100 gold pieces and you need the material components to do Summon uh, Find Familiar. So the most useful first level ones are out anyway. I feel like if you had been playing this character from level 1 you would have more than 100 gold pieces by that. Your quest rewards would be building up to give you way more than that, and you would probably have the spare cash when you take Ritual Caster to then go to a library. One thing Mm -hmm. I've been reading online is a lot of people have scroll kits where you'll go to one of these places and they'll give you a kit which has got the spell scroll and the ink, and the paper, and everything in and, it. And the cost is included. The cost is included. So there's a right, lot of right. people will have, it It costs 50 GP per level, and you buy a kit that gives you, I think it's an attempt to inscribe it into your right, book, right, because right. you have to make... That might be something from Strixhaven? Possibly. A half-remembering yeah, what I've read, I think. But um, there's a lot of people do that where you buy the kit. And I feel like if you had been playing this character from level one, you would have the money when you hit level four to take Ritual Caster and buy the more useful spells. Like you would be able to buy the Pearl. You would be able to identify, which is it massively increases your fun- your functionality Function, yeah, in yeah. a party. If you can be the person who can go uh, like Caleb in critical role. Okay, 
give me 10 minutes and I can find out exactly what this is or exactly what spell has been cast on this. You can hugely increase your functionality by having those ritual spells. So I feel like a lot of these background choices that I took, like Cloistered Scholar, it gives you library access. Um, there's nothing I like more than a good mystery. I like so I like the idea of someone who sort of is spends their whole day with a head in a in, in a book, and then you know in their downtime, their head is still in a in book. book. It's yeah. just it's Agatha Christie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like it, it's fantasy Agatha Christie. So they're reading all day, and then they're just reading in their spare time as well. And so when they've been out adventuring, they're like, "Wow, this is like in the books." Yeah, sort yeah. Of thing. I love that. Uh, my ideal was—I I don't know if I said it. I don't think I did. I have a dark calling that puts me above the law. Ooh. So they've been so affected by what happened to to them with the mind flayers mm. that they have—they are now hunting down aberrations, uh, bonds. My life's work is a series of tomes related to a specific field of law. There's evil in me. I can feel it. It must never be set free. Again, this is one of the things that I feel bad. I spent so much time getting this to work mechanically. I really didn't have that much time to think of like backstory reasons for why they have aberrant mind. And in a way, I think that's because it's not as obvious a combo as, oh... I am a dragonborn. I'm going to be a sorcerer. I will be a dragon Dragonborn. origin. I'll be a dragon blood origin. You know, it's not as obvious a choice as that. So I, I am an elf. I will have wild magic. Yeah. Doop dee doop dee doop. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel like as obvious a thing. So I didn't. I guess I didn't really think too much about how they got the aberrant mind thing. Looking back now, I'm looking at these. This was more reflective, and we will come to this of when I was going to go Aberrant Mind Sorcerer 3, Warlock. And this is how far this character's come. Originally, this character was going to have the entertainer background, and they were going to be a psychic in a circus, <laughs> and they were going to have read someone's mind and discovered um, it was going to be a triton, and they were going to discover some underwater deity or, or being that was willing to give them powers. And it was going to, you know, I had this whole thing. I had like a whole story for this character to go on of... of mm. um, it being the something from the deep wanting to take down mind flayers and mm. using this vessel that had come that had come from psychic energy, you know, or or would notice that it was had been a, attached to some aberration or some aberrant yeah. en- energy, yeah. and then so I put no trust in divine beings was from that. I probably changed that now. Flaws, uh, flaws. I kind of went for. I know critical role fandom doesn't talk about Orion. But, you know, very much like Tiberius, sort of, I overlook obvious solutions in favour of complicated ones. I kind of imagined him having that kind of, oh, well, we'll, we'll just do this, 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 this and this. And then, like, the barbarian smashes through the door and goes, job done. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. I chose, I assume the worst in people. Which is fair. When you consider what they've been through. Yeah, I know. I do I do kind of feel in my mind you've gone for this kind of peppy summary dragonborn who is uh yeah. who's a bit of a bit of a nerd, and I've gone for Debbie Downer. Again, I think the reason that I've done that is because the character portrait that I chose is just like massive grin. <laughs> well, I kind of feel as though I chose Haunted One because I was haunted by having to do this fucking build oh that's so cute that's though. what i mean though it's it, it's quite a it's quite a a, quite a happy i only chose that one because it was the first green dragon that i saw it was the first green dragonborn that i saw and i thought yeah i like that i like that 
Um, there's one thing I want to mention mm-hmm. before we move on to our our wrapping up bit. Is there anything else you want to talk about? The yes. one thing I wanted to say is that I had to take a component pouch or an arcane focus. That's what I had to buy with my gold. Mm. So other than other weapons or shields or anything like that, I had to buy an arcane focus because I don't believe a holy symbol counts as being able to be used with an arcane focus. I have got a component pouch because it was one of the starting things, Mm -hmm. but I haven't got anything in it because the Bloodwell vial works as an arcane Mm -hmm. focus. So at some point in this character's backstory, they got access to the Bloodwell vial and kind of went, oh, okay, I can just use this. And then, you know, tipped out their component pouch and just, you know, forget that. I've I've kept the, the component pouch because, again, I think if you were playing this from level one, your character would probably have the component pouch, component pouch, and they would use it for things like the pearl that you need for identify, the incense and the herbs and charcoal yeah. that you need for so for find familiar. There are things that do strictly speaking need a component, and if I'm going to criticise D and D Beyond, I've got to create, you know sing its praises as well. It gives you there as a separate container. So that when you're looking through your inventory, you can scroll straight down to component pouch and any components that you have to pay for. If your DM says, you know, do you have the pearl to do identify? You can be like, I have the pearl. Or I have a diamond worth 50 gold pieces so I can cast chromatic orb. Shall we move on to, as opposed to the pros and cons, future levels and further levels and multi-classing? I think further levels and multi-classing is going to be a good discussion to have because we've alluded to how it fucked us up so badly when we were building. Yeah, so you don't have to multi-class, and multi-classing is actually an optional rule. Most people use multi-classing, most people use feats, but they are both optional rules, Yeah, and I think we should lay that out first. However, if I was going to redo this build... I would take my one level of Hexblade Warlock. I would take two levels of Paladin, maybe six, to get that Aura of Protection. And Mm. then the other 13 levels would be Sorcerer. Mm. And everything would be coming from my Charisma stat. I would keep the strength where it is so I could wear the heavy armor. But yeah, that's, that's what I would do. And I would be two spell slots coming back on a short rest which become sorcery points to fuel smites. I would be a Sorlockadin. Do you think that you would take the Bloodwell Vial? What was your magic item? The Mind Carapace Armor. Yeah, that's that's so useful. I mean, this is now the part where we talk future levels. Yeah, uh, this is now the future. This is now the future. Yeah, we have robots and flying cars. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm wearing a jetpack right now. If we were to, say, take Polar Master at fourth level and then just so it's the two levels of, of paladin and uh, 18 levels of sorcerer and i took polar master so i'm reliably getting two attacks i don't need the bloodwell vial if i was going for the Solokadin, which is that one level of warlock mostly sorcerer a little bit of paladin that's when i would take the bloodwell vial i think it's also it's useful for building at five and it's something that's useful to have in the background because it gives you that plus one to hit and plus one to your, you know, saving, anybody yeah. saving against your abilities. So it's something that's useful to to have acquired around level, you know, between level three and five. It's still going to be useful to add on mm-hmm. to those things, mm-hmm. but probably not instead of... I'm just thinking how, how crazy that is, having advantage on all of your mental stats. And if you go for six levels of Paladin, 
you add your charisma modifier to that. So they those you, saves you do you don't fail you yeah. don't fail at those that point. The, the, yeah, statistically you don't because that's one of the easiest ways to mess up a tank is to just mind control or something like that or cast a spell from a distance but if you've got a paladin who's just sitting there going no i don't think so i'm gonna fail dexterity saving throws that's the only thing so grease is going to be your weak spot but your character is always going to have a weak spot my character's got cure wounds which i can quicken so i can green green flame blade it up then quicken cure wounds to get all my health back. And I have Lay on Hands. Originally, that I picked Paladin is because I, I thought, well, we've talked about D6 spellcasters before with the Blade Singer Wizard and how, you know, we were trying, we were so scared of such low hit points and, and, yeah. and stuff. And I went, I know what I'll do. I'll go for Warlock and cast False Life. And there are, there mm. are uh, uh, no, not False Life, Armor of Agathis. So that if someone comes up to me and hits me, they take damage and I have extra hit points. Well, the other thing you mentioned, you mentioned false life there. One thing you can do at later levels when you've got your, your sort of your two paladin attacks, mm-hmm. you do your two paladin attacks as your action, then as your bonus action, uh, quicken false life with whatever your highest spell slot is, mm-hmm. and it gives you one d four plus your one d four plus your spell modifier. But with every the blood well vial, that's another another one on top. Yeah, that's another one on top. But every level you flip it up by, every spell slot level you flip it up by, mm-hmm. uh, it adds a straight five hit points. So if Shit you put bed. a level three thing in that and you don't have anything else particularly to do and you're at full health, you can just give yourself an extra 15 hit points. It'd be more than that. As a bonus action. It would be, it would be 20, it would be 16 to 19 if you've got a full yeah. charisma stat. False life would be a great one for you to take because if you're if you've taken your two attack actions, you're like, I haven't really got anything else to do this turn, so I'll just give myself another stupid amount no, of hit, hit points. points. Yeah, yeah. You know, you top up your limit, which is already good because it's you're playing pal- as a paladin. paladin. Yeah, yeah. So if if I was just going for the only the two levels of paladin and I was using the bonus action from Polar Master, I wouldn't quote unquote need to improve my charisma so much and I think that's moving away from the from the build and I still want this to be sorcerer and I know yeah. even as I'm sitting here saying it I'm pretty sure most of the audience at home and you and me are going this isn't actually a sorcerer this is a paladin with a crazy amount of extra gimmicks <sighs> I'm sorry, everyone. It's all right. The important thing is, and I feel like you're starting to worry about this. I feel like you have made use of Dragonborn. Mm -hmm. Dragonborn has a higher strength in the PHB. Mm -hmm. I know Tasha's has said you can ignore that. You can put the points anywhere. And you can do that. But part of the challenge is we're going with whichever stat bonuses that race gives us. Mm -hmm. And I feel you have made use of the Dragonborn in that sense. Mm -hmm. You have made use of the Aberrant Mind and you are making use of the Sorcerer features. This is a character who, it is a bit of a cheat because if you were playing this from level one, you haven't started as a Sorcerer. No. But we're generating them at level five and you've given them an origin that turns them into a Sorcerer. Yeah. In the same way, that I've chosen someone who has come from a book learning background, but they are a sorcerer. So in the same way that Cesare, to a certain extent, was kind of frustrated that he wasn't... He was kind of frustrated that he wasn't a wizard in a cert, to a certain extent. Like in, in his backstory, there was the thing where he got his hands on a spell on a spell book. He tried to read out this spell 
and it went horribly wrong and killed all of the Condé's cats, you know, which is what mm. got him exiled. But that was just because his wild magic woke up at that point and went off. Mm. So I kind of see this dragonborn sorcerer as well as somebody who is, you know, they really want to be an academic, <laughs> but the magic just flows through them naturally because their background, because of their background. It's almost like someone who is naturally good at something who rather than being sort of like the cocky, oh, I'm just great at this anyway, like they put the time in and they do the study and then it doesn't make any difference. They don't need to have done any of that. And so they're kind of frustrated. It's frustrate- almost like they're studying the wrong thing. Yeah, well. they, yeah. They're, they're sort of frustrated that they've put the work in and it they didn't need to. Pros and cons. Pros and cons. I think obviously with mine, because it's a sorcerer, they are squishy and I've had to... Most of the spells that I've got are get out of the way and survive. I probably don't need to have taken as many as I did. Mm. One of the things about sorcerers, obviously their way of learning spells is you pick up a new one and you replace an old one. Generating a character at level five makes it a bit more difficult to keep track of what you've done with that. So, I, had to, I actually had to really sit down. Yeah, yeah. It, I yeah. have a piece of paper here which has got. I have a piece of paper where I've written all of that stuff down because that's that's the only way I could sort of keep track of it in my head. Well, not even in my head. That's the only way I could keep track of it. Pros by fifth level, they can communicate with anyone telepathically. But I think if I'm right by third level, when they're getting second level spells, if they've got comprehend languages and they've got the aberrant mind origin yeah they can understand once detect thoughts kicks in at third level they can understand the thoughts of anyone they can't necessarily communicate with them until they hit fifth and get tongues Mm -hmm. but they can understand it so that's that's a biggie because again that saving throw is if i was facing something that had that 16 saving throw plus because it's a sorcerer you've got mind sliver as well that's making it even worse to save against that would be something that would be pretty scary to to face off against i think that's mostly that's mostly the pros of the build oh and obviously if anything does get close to them they've got misty step and they've got shield and mm-hmm. i don't think i took mage armor just because i thought she'd rather get, be out of the yeah, way shield gets shield gets you up to 17 anyway yeah. with that character and you want to be getting out of the way of combat with misty step at level five rather than taking the hits and mm-hmm. hoping somebody comes over to save you really mine feels like more of a a, a typical straight sorcerer build yeah so pros and cons for my build the con is it's not actually a sorcerer i guess yeah at one point you did say it's this many levels in paladin and then you can go straight sorcerer from there you can but you still you are still behaving more like Like a paladin paladin. the pro is nothing's going to hit you you're probably never going to lose concentration because your armor class is really high yeah and most of your saving throws are really good and if you yeah. do go six levels of Paladin and the rest Sorcerer, you're then adding your Charisma bonus to that. You're not losing concentration. Then, depending on how many levels of Paladin you choose to go, if you go for six levels of Paladin, that gives you Aura of Protection, which allows you to add your Charisma bonus to your saving throws. You, you're starting to get... Which by, level is that, sorry? So that would be, for this character, this would be... If, if you just took Paladin to level six from here, this would be level nine. Right. So I'm not yeah. saying that this is the right play to make. I'm just saying that it's a thing you could do. If say we're going all the way to level twenty, that would be six levels of paladin and uh, fourteen levels of sorcerer. So yeah. more sorcerer than paladin. You can just stick to two levels of paladin 
run the rest with Sorcerer, just so that you've got bags and bags and bags of spell slots. You can yeah. smite every turn. It doesn't matter that you don't have additional attack. You're smiting every turn. And you can turn smaller spell slots into bigger spell slots, or bigger spell slots into smaller spell slots. What do you get? Because... 14 is one of those break po- ability breakpoints, isn't it? What do you get as a 14th level sorcerer? I don't believe it. A 12 is where you get an ASI. Uh, f- I'm pretty sure there's abilities that pop up. Oh, 14. as in actual sorcerer. Sorcerer's origin feature. Revelation in flesh. That sounds like Nastiness. I remember it being good. You can unleash the aberrant truth hidden within yourself. As a bonus action, you can spend one or more sorcery points to magically transform your body for ten minutes. For each sorcery point you spend, you can gain one of the following benefits of your choice, the effects of which last until the transformation ends. Oh, ten minutes. Uh, you can see any invisible creature within 60 feet of you, provided it isn't behind total cover. Your eyes also turn black or become writhing sensory tendrils. Nice. You gain a flying speed equal to your walking speed, and you can hover as you fly. Your skin glistens with mucus or shines with another worldly light. Gain a swimming speed equal to twice your walking speed, and you can breathe underwater. Gills grow from your neck or fan out from behind your ears. Your, your fingers become webbed. from Water world again. Or you grow writhing cilia that extend through your clothing. Your body, along with any equipment you are wearing or carrying, becomes slimy and pliable. You can move through any space as narrow as one inch without squeezing, and you can spend five feet of movement to escape from non-magical restraints or being grappled. So I'm just imagining a paladin that is able to cast fly for ten minutes as a bonus action. Yep. That's pretty horrible. Even if you were to just take straight sorcerer, this would be at level 16. Uh-huh. Of a flying paladin with ridiculous amounts of smites. Without having to spend a spell slot to do that. Yeah. As a bonus action. Admittedly, you would have to spend <laughs> sorcery points. But yeah, you have I to mean, spend like one sorcery point. Yeah, you'd only need one sorcery point to become <laughs> yeah. a flying behemoth. At level 14, you can cast fly. Basically, you can cast fly for one sorcery point. Yeah. so that, That's that, nasty. And is that... Sorcerer level 14. Or yeah, sorcerer level 14. Yeah, so that would be at level 20. You still, when you hit level 20, 20 with that theoretical build, you still get something very nice to play with. Going into the multi class thing again, I took Fathomless Warlock when I was building mm-hmm. as one of the iterations because I wanted the slimy, sticky nastiness. Yeah, yeah. For Paladin, you could take Oath of the Watchers. One of my mm. ideas for this character is that they, they were just about to take their sacred oath and they were going to take the Oath of the Watchers. The Oath of the Watchers is about keeping planar invaders away. Okay. So they've been in a service to a uh, you know a temple for one thing. They then become attacked by mind flayers, have that latent psychic, psychic energy opened up and then spend the rest of their life trying to push them away. Mm. So that's what I would take for that. And I want to know what Oath of the Watcher's capstone is. While you're looking that up, the opposite of that, for my character, would be the kind of H.P. Lovecraft thing. Like, they find something in a book. And that starts them on the Aberrant Mind Sorcerer thing. And then you take a couple of levels of Warlock to get to Pact of the Tome. So they've, instead of having to take Ritual Caster as a feat, when you're doing your SIs... You take enough levels of Warlock to get Pact of the Tome, which is, gives you basically the same thing, except the book is indestructible and you can... Effectively indestructible. I mean, that's when you get into... You could take the Coffee Lock shenanigans from there. Yeah. One of the things I want to point out is I actually wanted to really lean in with the Cthulhu stuff. And I uh, wanted to take Great Old One Warlock. You could there's take so Great much, Old One there's so with much overlap, Pact it's of the not, Tome, couldn't you? Yeah, there's yeah. so much overlap. 
it's not worth doing. I think it's designed that way. That's why I took Fathomless instead. I think it's designed that way because Lovecraft, and bringing Lovecraft up, acknowledgement, even even for his his time, time. he was racist. But the stories that he's created have opened the door to really interesting ideas that other authors like August Deleth and people like that Mm -hmm. have taken in an incredible direction and with that i think yeah the great old one origin for warlocks with pact of the tome is very very necronomicon and it's kind of designed to be weird tentacle based things from outer space from beyond the the knowledge of man yeah yeah uh which Which is what the far realm is yeah which which really suits this sort of book reading character who I i i think they would have to become less happy over time <laughs> I, th- I, I think there's there's a good argument for by the time you hit level five or six mm. and this sort of stuff is kicking in you'd probably have to change have to agree with your dm to change their background to haunted one yeah because something's gonna go horribly wrong with them studying all of this the dm's guide has got a whole optional sanity section at the back so you could agree with your dm to get your dm to read the section about oh, yeah. sanity rules and start to bring them in. Uh, I know they played with them at the end. At one point in the Critical Role campaign, they kind one? of started... No, no, towards... you're right. It was two, and it was towards the end when they were in AR and things yeah, like that. Yeah, towards, yeah, yeah, towards the end when things started to get weird, they started to play with some of the rules about sanity and things. But again, I know a lot of the Call of Cthulhu roleplay systems are heavily sanity based Mm -hmm. and you know your sanity is almost as important as like your your character's vitality health stat but yeah i mean you you can play you could absolutely if you wanted to go down that route of lovecraftian sorcerer the only thing i may be looking at the races too strictly but i feel like at, at that point you've kind of left the dragonborn aspect behind the dragonborn yeah. aspect is no longer important yeah. to it but i mean yeah you could certainly do that that would certainly be a direction to take it so i'm looking at the great old one warlock you can telepathically speak to any creature you this is the first level you can telepathically speak to any creature you can see within 30 feet of you you don't need to share a language with the creature i think that was the reason that i didn't go for that for this build mm-hmm. was because i looked at that and i thought that overwrites aberrant mind no, it's a conflict. It's yeah. a massive conflict because aberrant mind. You get three at this level. You get three miles that you can talk to someone telepathically, but you must you must share a language. This you can talk to anyone within thirty feet of you. And like, do you combine those so that once you know this, you don't need to have it be thirty feet? Can it be two miles? Yeah. And I think that's when you start to end up with arguments. Yeah. And, and as we said in our um, College of Creation video, once you're having semantic arguments with the DM, everyone's lost. It's not about you, the player, or you, the DM. Everyone has lost at that point. And that's why I didn't take it, because it would be a kerfuffle, and we would have that conversation again. Uh, so I took Fathomless instead, which to yeah. me kind of feels like I know a lot of people didn't like the great old one, so let's fix it. And, you know, at first level, you can of uh, Fathomless, you get a tentacle that you summon and it hits people. So free, free, um, free tentacle hentai. Free body. Yeah, but it does 1d8 cold damage and it reduces speed by 10 feet. So it is essentially Ray of Frost. For free with limited range. Yeah, as oh, okay. a bonus action. So that's the multi-class stuff done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pros and cons. My, my, as I said, con, not a sorcerer. Pros, 
all the damage not dying. I think you you kind of alluded to another con, which is main character syndrome. Yeah, and so it it is. Oh, uh, I think it was the first episode we mentioned. You know, BMX kid and the angel summoner. Yeah. It, it is a bit like any situation you're in. Is we could send the paladin in, or, or we could send the paladin sorcerer to destroy it. And the only situation you don't do that is when you have your sneaky mission. Yeah, but if you find a cloak of elven kind, you can probably even do that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there must be spells that a sorcerer can get that would improve their stealth. Invisibility. Yeah, it's a second level spell. Take Shadow Touched, get it for free, yeah, and then take Inflict Wounds. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I'm, uh, yeah, yeah I'm my imagine, build with I'm just imagining wounds. your build doing the Inflict Wounds trick from last week. That Oh, that is... Imagine two yeah. attacks with two attacks both smiting Inflict Wounds. Yeah. That's, that's serious damage. <laughs> that's horrible. I love it. If Cesare hadn't died and we had organised a situation where he could change... His sorceress origin, which is something I've allowed, that I've said I'm allowing in, in our game. Would you take Aberrant Mind, or has this put you off? I think it's put me off because I tend to use D&D Beyond for convenience. Yeah. And swapping the psionic spells around it's no is longer not convenient. the nearest you can get to it on D&D Beyond is putting in the notes what level you swap things out for. And then when you look at your sheet, you know, you, you hit calm emotions and you're doing Tasha's mind whip or you're doing or suggestion you're, instead. Yeah, yeah. You, you just essentially, you know, you mentally replace what you're looking at in the list with that. I feel like it's too fiddly for me to enjoy. That's just me. But I just feel like on a week to week basis playing the game, I would start to get annoyed. by. <laughs> I would start to get annoyed by Aberrant Mind. And I don't really think I, as a player, would make good use of the communication functionality that it gives you because it's all about reading other people's thoughts. And uh, again, because you're a sorcerer, you're likely to be the face of the party. You're yeah. likely to be the one doing all the talking. And I'm really not that much of a talker. Despite doing a podcast every week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel like that's not my role-playing style and I no. wouldn't make good use of the abilities from there. And again, when I was building this character, there were so many times that I thought, oh, there's this cool trick that I know of. Oh, I can't do it because I'm Aberrant Mind. There are too many things that Aberrant Mind feels like it gets in the way of. I wouldn't play it, but I think it is a good origin to go for if you're somebody who wants that sort of reading minds and using that knowledge from reading minds to communicate with people or using tongues to be able mm. to communicate telepathically with anyone regardless of their their race. But do you think then that what we're saying about the aberrant mind is it is different from other sorcerers and that is a strength that it has? Because let's be really general here. You kind of think of sorcerers as your blasty blasts and your, your blaster caster, maybe a bit of utility. Dancing out of the way of combat. Melee combat. Do we then say that the aberrant mind is actually more of a infiltrator face, almost uh, an underhanded approach? I think it depends on the people you play with and what, what the DM's style is. You know, like if you were playing more of a sort of critical role campaign where there's going to be a lot of 
out of combat role playing mm. and things like that. Aberrant Mind has brilliant functionality for for campaigns like that. If you're playing more of a sort of acquisitions incorporated campaign where you pretty much start at the door of the dungeon and mm. you are in combat from that point on. I actually played a game like that the other week with uh, a bard that I very very quickly rolled up. We were testing a dungeon for a very suspicious character <laughs> that we ran into so we were, we were kind of beta testing and there were lots of jokes about what happened to the alpha testers but um and so because of that it was like start outside the dungeon go in go through the dungeon so a lot of the abilities that i were using were that i was using were combat abilities battlefield control mm -hmm. things like that if i'd gone to that session with an aberrant mind sorcerer prepared especially since i think we were only level one because of that i think i would have suffered because it was a straight into combat thing again this this is sort of a a session zero discussion that you need to have with your mm -hmm. dm about what the content of it is going to be if it's going to be a role play heavy campaign then yeah, you need to think about what is your character going to do outside of combat because there's going to be stretches outside of combat. If your DM just wants to have this is going to be a dungeon crawl campaign, mm. which sometimes that's what I feel like I would prefer to play. But, you know, if it's just a straight dungeon crawl campaign and you go in with like aberrant mind skills, you're going to suffer because you're not going to have as many useful things that you can do in, in combat. Whereas, contrary, my build is going to be fine. Your, your build is going to ace it in a combat situation. Yeah. But you've also you've got lots of things you can do outside of combat, combat. as well yeah. because of Aberrant Mind. Last week we started talking about what would we take from each other's build. I would take the Bloodwell Vial from your build, and I really like your idea about using comprehend languages, tongue, suggestion, etc, etc. That said, would you actually take anything from my build? The two levels of Paladin are... The, the levels of Paladin that you were saying about are very tempting, and it was something that I looked at earlier on the problem that i had with it is because we're building for level five mm -hmm. we are building a character that has to work at level five there are fantastic things you can do later on with the build that you, with the build that you've you've started like there's fantastic things you can do with this build at the level we're at if you take the sword and board or in my case morning star and board approach you've got a base ac of 21 when I was building the character, I think that's what I was getting round to, is I did look at that, but I didn't really feel like I was getting any use out of uh, the two paladin levels on top. Mm -hmm. I think the problem is I didn't take the extra step to think, what if you put the two paladin levels first? And I think that does so much to make the build work. I think it's justifiable in this case. In, is it I think something this, we would allow in the future? I think it's a case-by-case -case yeah. basis because it's had such a huge effect on the build i think in this case it is justifiable mm -hmm. and i think because of the amount of things that it makes work in the build mm -hmm. i think it's justifiable it's something to be avoided certainly in future i don't yeah, want to yeah, yeah. i don't want to set like a hard limit about you know it was fun this week but we're never doing it no, again, again. Yeah, like yeah. i think if it is the only way to make a build work and i really feel like 
I'm with you. I really struggled to put this build together. And the idea that you came up with of doing that is such a good idea that I think it's definitely justifiable in this case. What I was getting round to with the Paladin thing is that when I was building it, I didn't feel like three levels of Sorcerer, yeah. then two levels of Paladin. There we go. I don't feel like it worked that way round. No, it doesn't. I think it's really clever, the idea of, of just switching it, but... I think it's something that we would have to avoid or deploy very carefully in future because it does run the risk of just turning them into the other thing. They, and, then, and then you've got the... I am so close to it basically just being a paladin. Yeah, I think you're, you're making enough use of the Dragonborn background. Mm -hmm. The Dragonborn background is the only thing that really lets you get away with it. And so you are using yeah. the Dragonborn background. Yeah. You are using the Aberrant Mind. And there's a lot of things in the build that use the Sorcerer's points as well. I think you know as well. You justify. You've, I, I don't want to use the phrase got away with it. Because it, I know that's not why you did it. That's the only way to make the build work at level 5 this way. <laughs> well, let's be honest. I have a mental health condition. I have OCD. And for something to sit in my brain like a fat toad at the bottom of a pond... Yeah. Is maddening. Yeah. And at some point, I, I rang you up and said, look, I'm just going to have to stick with what I've said, and that's just, that's just going to have to be me happy. And then I was driving along, and I said something that inspired me. Oh, I could do it this way around, so I've got this and this, and then I take this and I do the thing, and then I've got this. Right. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't ordinarily do what I did. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it going forwards is to avoid doing this not the, for you guys at home no, you no, do what you, you want guys, you do what you, we're, we're giving you a starting point and ideas to approach for these things but with the rules that we're sticking to I think for the future we should avoid yeah. taking the multi-class first and uh you know there are just to talk to the audience a sec there are so many of these that you can take one level of something before you take most of your levels of something else. Mm. If you are multi-classing Sorcerer and Warlock, take one level of Sorcerer first, then go for Warlock. Even if you're doing Hexblade, you get your second attack at level 6. Like Blade Singers and College of Valor Bards, etc, etc. Right? It's worth doing just to get the proficiency in Constitution saving throws. Yeah. If you're a wizard, sometimes, not always, sometimes it is worth taking one level of Artificer just to get constitution saving throws proficiency. You were saying that with the Kenku last week. Yeah. There are so many things that you can do like that that are worth it. We just have to... I... <laughs> I have to be careful. I don't think you're going to do it. I have to be careful not to do it. With me, I tend to take the things we rolled as a prompt. Mm. And I tend to try and follow that direction because uh, I think I've mentioned before, my background at university was doing creative writing. writing. Yeah. One of the things that they do all of the time in creative writing lessons is you get a prompt mm -hmm. and you run with the prompt. And it, it, can, it can take you in interesting directions. It can take you in directions you weren't expecting to go with that build. No, of course. If I had just been building a sorcerer, Variant human, ritual caster at le as the feat at level mm -hmm. one, dragon blood origin for the sorcerer. Mm -hmm. Because then you don't have to worry about mage armor, 
you can build up a ton of ritual spells that bolster the amount of spells you you can cast. You can massively increase your functionality in pseudo combat dungeon situations like mm -hmm. what is this puzzle? Can we cast identify to see what kind of magic it's got running and things like that. You can hugely, hugely increase your utility just by going variant human dragon origin. That is a great start. It's not the best start, but obviously the prompts that we've taken, they take you down a different road. So that's why with this set of prompts that we've got, like I took the sorcerer to level five because then that lets me take tongues. And once I'd lock that in as, okay, that's the thing I'm doing with this build, everything else kind of followed on from that, which that's not the most efficient play, but that's the theme of the character that I went with. And I wouldn't have done that if I'd just been generating my own from normal. The rules that we've set... I would not the, have made this. No. I would not have made this. The rules we set ourselves for this kind of give us that challenge. Yeah. If there's one thing that I want from this is that somebody can listen to this podcast and think, well, that bit was rubbish. That bit was great. I'll use that bit and I'll go off in my own direction. Yeah, absolutely. It. You know, I'm coming up with ridiculous multi-classes to satiate my brain. But if there is someone out there who's like, I really want to play a silver dragonborn <laughs> aberrant mind sorcerer, hmm. chuck two levels of paladin in there and you'll thank me later. But even then, if your table is the kind of table who is doing a dungeon crawl and DM is setting you a high bar for challenge, then you're going to want to approach the table with something like this. You know, if your DM says, oh, we're at level five, we're doing a dungeon crawl, is it Lost Minds of... Fandelva or something. I think so. Yeah, like if we're doing a dungeon crawl that's going to be mostly combat, you can bring a character like Steve's to the table and just be like, bang, deal with that. Shall we not lie to the audience? I've already rolled this because we made a decision that each season we're going to do one of each class and we don't want the last... 15 minutes of the podcast that Simon has to edit being, oh no, we've already got one of those. Yeah, we've, we've got, got one of those. Oh, oh, yeah, we've already got one of those. So, we have a really, really, really interesting one. It is a deep gnome eldritch knight. Wow. <laughs> All right, Owen Wilson. Wow. 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 I do really, I like Owen Wilson. I nearly had for your Domains of Dread, but I didn't, I didn't want to turn Oh yeah, I remember this. I didn't want to turn it into a silly campaign, but and this was before Sam Bloody Regal announced that he was basically doing it. I wanted a cleric who was based on sort of a motivational coach, positivity therapist, <laughs> but just with the voice of Owen Wilson. So like Bless would just be turning around to the rest of the party and like, you're doing so well, guys. I love what you're doing. Yeah, you're doing great. Yeah, I, I wanted to make... Uh, an Owen Wilson cleric, but then I didn't want the do the domains of dread to just be silly. If no. everybody else, I do appreciate to... that. Yeah. So, Eldritch Knight Deep Nine, and we are taking for this the standard stat increases. Yeah, which book is Deep Gnome from? Just so, oh, which shit. which source is it from? Just so I make sure I don't get the the wrong one. Okay, because the... I know we we had this with Kenku and we had this with Dragonborn as well. So I want to make sure we've got the oh, the God. correct one. Now it was originally the Elemental Evil Player's Companion, 
mm-hmm. but now it's been changed. Mordenkainen's... No, not the new one. The oh. original Mordenkainen's. Time of Foes. Time of Foes. That's the one. Time of Foes. All right. Gnome of Toes. So you get a plus two to intelligence. Okay. And a plus one to dex. So this is interesting. I'll write this down in a second after we finish. This is rude. I'm keeping you. What, the audience or me? Both. <laughs> Okay, how right. do we want to end this episode? Because we've done an awkward silence. We've done... Well, I think, to quote my good friend Steve, off you fuck. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Are you cutting it there? <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Build Bard Workshop with myself, Stephen, Simon and Frodo the dog. All properties and settings belong to the relevant parties. Produced by Steve and Simon and edited by Simon. Music is Dancing at the Inn by Kevin MacLeod and is available at freepd.com. And remember, respect your elf before you wreck yourself. You. Blah.